message that I think is really appropriate uh, as it addresses and deals with all of us as believers, but I do think that for our graduating seniors, it would be helpful as well, and it's very simple, and I think it'll be helpful, however, and I trust that all of us will glean from it and grow from it and be encouraged by it. So I'm going to get started, and I'm going to get started by telling one of my, I like this joke. Okay, I really like the joke. Now, you've probably heard the joke before, and uh, that's all right, because it goes with the message, and I really like it, and it's got a kind of a zing at the end, and I kind of like jokes like that. So, an elderly husband and wife visited their doctor when they began forgetting things, just little things, of course. Their doctor tells them that, you know, that's not uncommon, that a lot of people find it useful in those types of situations to write little notes to themselves. So, when they get home, the, the wife says, well, dear... Would you please go into the kitchen and get me a dish of ice cream? And uh, maybe you ought to just kind of write down, so you write it down so you won't forget. Oh, nonsense, said the husband. That's ridiculous. I, I can remember a dish of ice cream. Well, she says, Well, you know what? Um, I'd like some strawberries and some whipped cream on it as well. You know, The husband's frustrated. He says, listen, my memory is not that bad. I don't need to write a note to myself. I can remember it. It'll be fine. A dish of ice cream and strawberries with whipped cream. Again, I don't need to write no notes. So he goes into the kitchen. His wife hears these pots and pans banging around. The husband finally comes out of the kitchen and he just hands his wife this wonderful plate of bacon and eggs. She looks at the plate and she says, hey, Where's the toast I asked for? <laughs> I think I like that joke because, yeah, the little twist at the end's good. I didn't expect the wife to say that, you know. But anyway, there was a couple going on vacation, and they're standing in line waiting to check their bags at the airline counter. The husband says to the wife, he says, you know, I wish we'd have brought the piano. The wife looks at him kind of weird and says, well, why? We got 16 bags already. He says, I know, but the tickets are on the piano. (laughs) Now, I was recently 
uh, I was relieved, actually, to recently find out that I'm not the only one who forgets things. According to researcher Karen Bola, everybody does at one time or another. There are six things people most often forget, and here they are. Number six are faces. 42% of people forget a face. <clears throat> the fifth one is what was said. 49% of people forget what was said. The next, words. 43, uh, 53% forget words. Then there's telephone numbers. 57% forget those, and I would guarantee that's higher now with the phones that we have. And then where something is. 60% of people forget where something is. And then finally, names. 83% of people forget names. Now, if you can't remember whether you just did something or not, you just joined 38% of the population. Forgetting is something that we do pretty naturally. It comes pretty easily to us as humans. And, you know, it's uh, pretty common today, right? Forgetting things, it's common. And the older you get, the more common it does get. That's no doubt about that. But tonight, I just want to share three things that every believer can't afford to forget. Three things that every believer can't afford to forget. And so I want to have a word of prayer, and then we're going to talk about those three things, all right? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we come to you, and we thank you for this evening. We're looking forward to honoring our graduating seniors. And Lord, this simple little message with these three simple thoughts, I believe, are appropriate for them, as well as each and every one of us in the room tonight. I just pray that you would speak through me to them. I pray that you would anoint my lips, that I might say those things that are spirit-filled. And I ask you, Lord, to anoint every listening ear that they would hear with spiritual ears. Lord, may we take to heart what we will hear tonight and what we will receive, and may we apply it to our lives, and may it make a difference, not only today, but tomorrow and into eternity. We thank you. We praise you. In Christ's name, amen. All right, three things then that every believer can't afford to forget. Well, we're going to forget a lot of things along the way, but you can't afford to forget these. Number one, others are watching. Others are watching. In a 1967 commercial, it opened up with a dad on a ladder painting his house. And his son was below him pretending to do the same thing. A voice then comes on and says, like father, like son. Dad's now seen driving a car, and he uses his arm to give a turn signal. The son sticks his arm out the window and imitates dad. Dad's then seen washing his car. His son is kneeled down at the, 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 um, um, the tire in the rim, and he's spraying it with his squirt gun and wiping it off. The next scene is of dad and the little boy walking along a pathway. Dad reaches down, grabs a stone, and flings it on into the woods. The little boy stops and grabs a stone and throws it in the woods. Finally, the final scene. We see dad and the little boy sitting against a tree. Dad takes a cigarette out of a pack. He lights it up and sets the pack beside him. The boy picks up the pack and the voice says, like father, like son, think about it. 
1967 commercial. The old adage says, more is caught than taught. And the truth is, you don't have to be in a very high-profile occupation to be a person of influence. In fact, if your life is in any way connected with other people, you are someone with influence. Now, everything you do at home, everything you do in church or at your job or maybe even at the ball field has an impact on lives of others. American poet, philosopher, Ralph Waldo Emerson made this statement. He said, every man is a hero and an oracle to somebody. And to that person, whatever he says has an enhanced value. Everyone in the room today, every last one of us, has influence to some degree or another, and that is just undeniable. You don't have to be a mom and dad to have influence. You don't have to be the preacher. You, don't, you, may not have a bro, you, may, you may simply have a brother or sister. You may not realize it, but there are little ones all around us that are watching and learning all the time. Your actions, your words, your attitudes, your outlook, your, 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 your responses are recorded in their minds. And so there's no doubt that we all possess influence to some degree or another. But the real issue is whether or not our influence is being used for good or evil. Now, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. He says that we're ambassadors for Christ. As ambassadors, we're ambassadors for the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. How we represent makes a difference in the world, and how we represent makes a difference in the lives of all those that we come into contact with. For graduating seniors tonight, it would be easy to say, well, I'm really of no significance yet. I'm just simply graduating high school. I don't have a high-profile job. I'm not necessarily a parent yet. I don't have even a wife or a husband. The fact is, is that I'm really considered, in my mind, I'm really not that significant. Can I tell you that you have influence today, and that influence needs to be used for God and good? And that's true in all of our lives. See, your life tonight will either illuminate the path of righteousness or the path of unrighteousness. Your life will either reinforce godliness or ungodliness. Your life will either produce Christ-likeness or Christlessness. Your life will either promote respect toward God and His Word or rebellion toward them. Your life will either encourage others toward faithfulness or faithlessness. And that's a reality. Again, we are ambassadors for Christ. We all have influence and we all must live our lives in a way that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. Others are watching. And that's a reality. I can't help but going way back years ago to Charles Barkley who said, I don't want to be anybody's role model. It doesn't matter what you want, big boy. You are. It doesn't matter what you want tonight either. You're somebody's role model. Somebody's watching your life, whether it's at work or school or 
whether it's at a sporting event or whether it might just simply be an activity or some kind of uh, extracurricular hobby that you do, somebody's watching you. Whether it's out on a golf course or whether it's simply at the grocery store, somebody's watching. And as believers, we can never, ever, ever forget that. Number two, others are watching, number one, but number two, the clock is ticking. The clock is ticking. That is something a believer can never forget. We cannot allow ourselves to forget that. We can't afford to. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Here we find a very sobering passage. It says, As and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. The Bible points out very clearly that all humanity has an appointment that they're going to keep. And that appointment is with death. There's an appointment. Our days are numbered. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, the Bible says, So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. You only have so much time. I only have so much time. I don't know how much time I have, and you don't know how much time you have. But what we do know is that our time is limited. He says, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So what do we know about time then? What do we know about that? We know that no matter what you do, it demands payment. Everything we do demands a payment, a payment of time. No matter where you go, there's only 24 hours in a day. There's only 60 minutes in every hour. There's only 60 seconds in every minute. That never changes in this life. It's always the same. Also, we learned that time is more valuable than anything you have. And someone says, well, okay, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, obviously, you don't have an existence without him. But the fact is, is that time in this life is more valuable than anything else. And you say, well, prove it. Okay, name anything you have that would be valuable without time. Anything. Family? Well, without time, it would mean nothing. Health? Well, if you have no time, it would mean nothing. You can't, you, can't, you can't mention anything that's more valuable to you than time. Without time, there's nothing. There is nothing. Fortunately for us, we've been saved, and we've been saved eternally. We have everlasting life. That's what makes it so valuable, because it's everlasting. There's forever time. Not only that, but time is one commodity that you, the one commodity that you cannot purchase more of. You can never purchase more time. You can purchase food. You can purchase clothing. You can purchase friends, really, to some degree. You can purchase all kind of items, items of all sorts, but you can never, ever, ever purchase more time. Never. Can you imagine, and I mean, I'm just going to be frank with you. You, you, you know, I'm just going to tell you the truth. I, people running around this country claiming to be able to heal people, Can you imagine with me for just a moment 
a rich person that has cancer, stage four, and is given just a month to live, and you could go heal them. You tell me that you would ever have a need in your life? You'd ever need money? They would give you their last cent if you could give them more time. You can't purchase time, though. Neither can I. See, you know, the fact is that the time is a gift from God. Every day that you live is a gift. God doesn't owe you time. He doesn't owe me time. But he graciously extends it to us. So we notice right off the bat that when it comes to time, we know some things. No matter what you do, it demands a payment. Also, do you know there's never enough time? Never enough. Turn to Psalm chapter 90, verse 9 and 10. Psalm chapter 90, verses 9 and 10. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 90, verses 9 and 10, For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. He says our day, the days of our years are threescore and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore, yet, their strength, in their, yet is their strength labor and sorrow. For it is soon cut off and we fly away. Boy, 70 years sounds like a long time if you're 20. 70 years sounds pretty good if you're 35. But when you get to be about 55, it don't sound so good. When you get to be 65, it really don't sound good. And when you're 85, you laugh at us who think that we're still old and we're only 50 or 60 years old. You say, ah, you're still young. Not if the Bible's telling the truth. You think about it, if all you have guaranteed, so to speak, and there's no guarantees, obviously, with time, but if 70 years is basically the life expectancy that God has determined in the Word of God, any time over that is borrowed time. When John Quincy Adams was 80 years old, a friend said, how's John Quincy Adams? He said, John Quincy Adams himself is very well, thank you, but the house he lives in is sadly dilapidated. It's tottering on its foundations. The walls are badly shattered and the roof is worn. The building trembles with every wind. And I think that John Quincy Adams will have to move out before long. But he himself is very well. Well, I'll tell you what, you don't have to live long to realize that this old body breaks down and it wears out pretty quick. Boy, inside you may feel like a 20-year-old, but you don't feel like it on the outside. The fact is, is that there's always going to be something left to do in your life. Time sneaks up on all of us, and it's not until we are getting up in age that we really appreciate the value of time. You know, I can say to you today, and I had people tell me this all the time, they said, listen, let me tell you something, life gets faster and faster, it goes quicker and quicker every year of your life. The older you get, the faster it gets, and you think to yourself, man, are you kidding me? Man, I just finally graduated high school. It seemed like it was going to take forever to get out of school. Can I tell you, once you graduate high school, life just flies by. And you say, that's crazy. You don't have to believe me, but before you can blink, I promise you, you'll be standing where I am. 
It's amazing how fast time flies. It goes so quickly. And that's why the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave, whither thou goest. He said, listen, whatever you're going to do, you better put all your heart into it because you only have a limited amount of time. You only got so much time to serve the Lord. You've only got so much time to live in this life and to prepare for eternity. Listen, you'd give it your very best always. Because there's never enough time and it always goes too quickly. James chapter 4, verse 14. Turn there, please. James 4, 14. Boy, that clock's ticking. And obviously for our graduates today, it seems like it's just started. And to some degree that's true as long as God's going to give you those 70 at least years. But there's no guarantee. Sadly enough, we look around us, especially in this pandemic time that we've lived in as Young people become so awfully depressed because they've not been permitted to gather together in fellowship with their friends and so forth in schools. And there's been all kind of negative connotation to the, the, the side effects of it. It's not the COVID that was killing them. It's been the depression and the even they killing, they're killing themselves. It's amazing to watch is, is the mental status of our young people. They, 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 they gave statistics about little 10-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 14-year-olds taking their own lives because of depression through this whole mess. Listen, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And you say, well, that would never happen to me. I promise you this. There's nobody in the room that may think they would ever take their life, but I promise you, you could get there. The moment you think you couldn't, my friend, you are susceptible to it. It's like the person that says, oh, I would never do that. Okay, hold on to, your, hold on to, your, to, to the seat because you're going to have a five-ticket ride soon. Take heed lest ye fall, the Bible says. We're not exempt from those kind of feelings. We're not the only ones that don't. You say, but I got the Lord in my life. I know, but I guarantee you the devil will wreak havoc in it too. You better be careful. And I'll tell you, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen. I'm just saying that it, those kind of things do happen and other things happen. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. Look what the Bible says. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, James 4.14. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. I guarantee tomorrow, neither am I. We're not guaranteed any time. It's a, it's a vapor. Even the longest life is a simple vapor. You know, light a match and blow it out and you see that little smoke for just a short time. That's what our life is in comparison to eternity. It's a vapor. The Bible says in chapter 90, we talked about it already, verse 9, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. I wonder, have you ever read a good book? Have you ever watched a good movie? Just, you know, a movie that just captivates you and the character development is so good and you think, man, this is awesome. And at the end you think to yourself, it's already over? That flew by. Just a little more. That's exactly how it'll be at the end of your life. That's how it'll be at the end of mine. It'll flown by just like that. Just like that. You know, as believers, we have to be very careful and cautious that we don't forget that the clock is ticking. 
As young people, it's simple and it's easy to forget that because it seems that all of our days are yet ahead of us. But again, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth, the Bible says. Man, you don't know. Live your life for Christ today. You say, but there's a few things I want to do yet. There's some uh, things I want to accomplish. There's some goals that I have. I'm telling you, surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Give Him your best today. Number three. said there's three things that every believer can't afford to forget. One, others are watching. Two, the clock is ticking. And finally, number three, the judgment awaits. The judgment awaits. You say, what judgment? Well, turn to Romans 14, 10, and let's look. Even as a believer, we'll stand before a judgment. We'll be judged. Look at Romans chapter 14, verse 10. One of the things in our culture and our society that has been depleted or done away with is a word that we would say or call accountability. Very little accountability today. You know, you, you, there's, there's, people are not held to a standard. We're not required or, you know, there's not a, a, a level of accountability it depends on what side of the, uh, the, the coin you're on. It depends on who's uh, doing the judging or whatever it might be. But so many times today, it seems children aren't held accountable. Students aren't held accountable. Adults aren't held accountable. It seems that we live in a culture and a society that is less and less concerned with the rule of law and, and if you will, um, my mind's just going blank here, to be frank with you. I'm sorry. But, but, but there's a lack of accountability. You go out and murder somebody, and you may get off the hook. I mean, there's just, we've got to have, we have laws for reasons. But unfortunately, we're training our children that there's no consequences for their actions. And that's what we're seeing in our culture and our society today to some degree. Let me tell you something. God's word has not changed in this area. It doesn't matter how weak the culture gets. It doesn't matter how often you can pull the wool over mom and dad's eyes or you can get over on the teacher at school or how many times they let you back into class even though you keep skipping it. I'm telling you, you're going to be judged by a God who never changes. And the word of God by which we'll be judged has never, is never changing. The standard doesn't change. And right is always right and wrong is always wrong. It doesn't matter. And we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. Look what it says in Romans 14, 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set at naught thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Look, if you would, in 2 Corinthians 5, 10. He again expresses this to the Corinthians. Paul the Apostle speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And notice what he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 10. He says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or, or bad. So we are being told about a coming judgment where our deeds will be judged by the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Our sin has been judged already at Calvary. We understand that. When he died there 2,000 years ago, when he shed his precious, perfect blood, when he literally had his body broken, it was broken on our behalf and our sin was cleansed and washed away. Our sin was judged in Jesus Christ. He bore our sin in his own body on the tree. It won't be our sin that we'll be judged for or judged according to, but our service following our salvation, our deeds, if you will. And there's a picture that's painted for us by the Apostle Paul as he writes to the Corinthians in chapter 3, verses 11 through 15. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 11 through 15. We see this judgment being spoken of. It's a judgment seat of Christ. It is for all believers. It's not for unbelievers. That is in chapter 20, verses 11 through 15 in Revelation. It's called the great white throne judgment. But there is a judgment that we'll face. We will be held accountable for our actions following our salvation. We don't just get to go and live however we want. Sometimes people say, oh, you Baptists, you're those people that believe once you're saved, you're always saved. That means you can go and live however you want. Well, if there wasn't a judgment, then yeah, I guess that'd be true. But let me tell you, there are consequences for every action. Both in this life and the next. There's accountability, and the Lord Jesus Christ holds us accountable. It is not a message we like to hear much about. We don't like to talk about holding our children responsible for actions in the home. We don't want to talk about discipline much today. We want to talk to our kids. We don't want to deal with our kids. And can I tell you, God will deal with us. Notice what it says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. It says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." Fortunately, in verses 11 and verse 15, we recognize and see that we are secure in Christ Jesus. We realize that the moment we trusted Christ, we were placed on a solid, secure, safe foundation. And that foundation is none other than a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. We were placed in Christ and we are rooted and grounded on Christ. And, and therefore, our foundation is secure. In verse 15, he even goes on to say, if any man's work shall be burned. He shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So yes, indeed, our salvation is secure in Christ. And praise the Lord for that safety. Praise the Lord for that confidence that we can have in Christ Jesus. Notice verse 12, however. We note the race. In this case, he says, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, or stubble. The fact is, is that we have a race to run, and we are always in a building process in our Christian lives. The very moment that we came to Christ, we began to build on that foundation. There's either one of two ways we'll build. We'll build in a way in which it will last or we'll build in a way in which it will pass. That's all there is to it. It's either going to last for eternity because it's, as he puts here, gold, silver, and precious stone. Or it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. It'll be burned up. Verse 13, he goes on to say, 
or note that there's a revealing that takes place. We know that there's this race being run. We know that we're building on this foundation. But what we're building will be revealed one day at this particular judgment. He says in verse 13, every man's work shall be made manifest. It's going to be brought to light for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. It's as if there's this conveyor belt and all of our works are going through this, this fire and that fire is either going to burn up the wood, hay, and stubble or what comes out will be simply more pure than ever. Gold, silver, and precious stone. It's going to be revealed though. They used to say, what was, how did it go years ago? Captain Penny used to say, you can fool some of the people some of the time, all of the people all the time. No, you can fool all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but you can't fool mom. Remember how Captain Penny used to say that? Some of you know who Captain Penny was. Now, Captain Penny, he was the bomb. <laughs> I loved Captain Penny. I used to, man, I tell you, I was hoping I could stay home from school to watch Captain Penny. It never happened. But I used to get to watch him before I got old enough to go to school. It was cool, Captain Penny. But you know what? You'll never fool the Lord, will you? And neither will I. Verse 14 we know not only the race in verse 12, the revealing in verse 13, but the reward in verse 14. Man, I'll tell you what. He says, if any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Young people, it's worth living for God. Not only in this life, but in the next too. I, 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 you know, we, we talk about living for God and we say, well, you ought to just live for God because he saved you. And that's true. You ought to. You ought to live for the Lord because he deserves the very best we have. He's our creator. He's our God. And we should want to do that. And we, we owe him that whether he saves us or he wouldn't save us. Even if we were going to go right to hell, the very life that we have would still be something we ought to honor him for. But boy, I'll tell you what, he also says there's rewards that await us. And let me tell you something, I don't know about you, but you say, that doesn't motivate me. It motivates me, because I'll tell you one thing, I don't want to get to heaven one day and have nothing to lay at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to have something where I can say, Lord, I know that, Father, it was you that did it in my life. I know that I couldn't have accomplished anything without you, and everything that I have, and everything that you've given me is yours. Man, we get up there and we have nothing. And he says, man, you're my child. And we say, yes, I appreciate that, Father. But I did not live my life for you. I lived it for me. I lived it for others. That'll be a sad day if, if it ends up like that. As a result, we are admonished to fear God and keep his commandments. Look, if you would, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 through 14. It says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. 
Fear God and keep his commandments. I'm going to say something, and I want you to listen. That command is given to you whether you ever have a friend in the Lord or not. Whether or not you ever find a good church or not. Whether or not you ever have a wife or a husband or not. Whether or not you lose every one of your family or not. That command is given to every believer. That command is ours. You have never, you will never have an excuse for not obeying that command. Neither will I. Never, under any circumstance, do you have an excuse for being rebellious or disobedient to that command. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What he's saying is when it's all said and done, you want to wrap it all up, you want it where the rubber meets the road, you just go ahead and fear God and keep his commandments. You go ahead and you follow me no matter what, no matter where, no matter when. You always put me where I belong, number one. Fear God and keep his commandments. I have watched as folks have lost loved ones and checked out. I've watched as teenagers have graduated and checked out. I've watched how adults have chosen that life has gotten too tough and that their responsibilities are too great. They check out on God. And then they say, it's not really my fault. You just don't understand. You don't have to convince me, friend. You will stand before Jesus Christ one day and give an account. That's all I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean or nasty. I'm telling you biblically and scripturally that you have a responsibility and so do I. And that responsibility does not change based on my circumstances or yours. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Wow. For God, why? 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 What's the, part, part, uh, the purpose anyway? Why should I fear God and keep his commandments anyway? It's, I know it's the whole duty of man, but still, even so, well, wait a second, verse 14, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Man, I'll tell you, God's going to hold us accountable for things. Now listen, you say, but God's a merciful God. He is. Let me ask you something. Your dad or your mom say, you know what? Come with me, son. Walk you out into the garage, and maybe that's where you keep your trash. And they say, now, let's walk back in a second. That's a trash can. Let's go back in. Let's get the trash. Let's pull it out of the trash. We tie it up, or mom might have it sitting there. We grab it. We walk out. We throw it into the trash. Now, son, that's where the trash sits every day, all week long. Every time there's a trash bag that's full, it goes into that can. And then every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or whatever day it is, they pick up our trash. What I want you to do is, I want you to go out the night before trash pickup, take that trash can and put it at the street so it gets picked up and the trash gets thrown away. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do, son. The trash comes tomorrow, so let's you and I make sure there's no other trash that mom set out. Okay, there isn't? Very good. Let's go. Let me show you how to do this. And today we got those big trash cans on wheels. Makes it real easy. We flip that thing, we close the lid, we go ahead and flip it back, we walk it out. Come on, son. Set it down there, boom, there it is. That's exactly where I want that can, right there on that spot. Okay, do you understand, son? Yes. Where do I want that can? Right there, Dad. That's right, right there. The next week I say, all right, son, okay, tomorrow's trash day. What do we do? 
Uh, we go around, we make sure there's no trash. It's still got to go out, right? Let's make sure mom doesn't have any anywhere. Mom, you got any trash? No, we don't have any trash. Or yes, we do. There's a bag. Well, son, let's grab that can. He grabs that trash. He walks on out. Where's the can at, son? Out in the garage, dad. That's right. You go out to the garage. You flip the lid. You throw the trash in. You slam the lid shut. All right, what do we do with it? Well, we take it out there. Okay, son, pick it up. Start taking it out. Here, I'll give you a hand with it. Boom. There you go. Let's go. Together, we take it out. We set it. Where do you set it? Right there. Okay, let's set it there. Hey, that's a little crooked, son. Let's straighten it up. Okay, that's perfect. Good job, son. Way to do it. We go back in. That next day, the trash is gone. It's been taken away. The next week, we get together again, and I say, all right, son, what day is it? Oh, Dad, tomorrow's trash day. That's what day it is tomorrow. Today is the day we make sure there's no trash in the house. Go around, checks for the trash. He asks Mama, hey, is there any more trash? Nope, no more trash. That's good. Goes back out, takes the trash in the thing, lifts it up, takes it out, puts it on the spot right there. No, son, just a little straighter. Come on now, you moved it over a foot. Go put it right there, right there every time. All right, Dad, got it. After a month of that, dad comes home from work. And he realizes that the trash isn't out. And he says, son, what's going on? Why is the trash not out? Well, see, I got kind of busy playing a video game. You got busy doing what? Playing a video game. Me and my friends were online. We got playing a video game. By the way, be careful with that. But anyway, we were playing a video game. Okay. Well, son, listen, what were you supposed to do tonight? I was supposed to take the trash out. Son, let me ask you, do you know what you're supposed to do? Yes, take the trash out. Do you know where, where, how you're supposed to do it? Yeah. Do you know where it's supposed to go? Yes, Dad. Let me ask you something. Does that boy need discipline or mercy? See, this is the problem in our homes today. Because we think he deserves mercy. God's not going to show mercy when you have known all along what you should do and you just chose to rebel and not do it. We as parents need to do our children a real favor and hold them accountable. Once we have trained them and taught them and shown them and then did it with them and made sure they knew exactly what they were supposed to do, we need to hold them accountable to it. God will hold us accountable to it. I guarantee you, if we don't fear God and keep his commandments, we're going to lose those rewards that we could have had. It's not good. Mercy is not what that child needs right now. What that child needs is correction. Because they need to reinforce the fact that you are held accountable for what you're supposed to do what you're told to do. That was utter rebellion and disobedience right there. Well, he forgot. No, he didn't. He chose to forget. He knew what he was supposed to do. He did not do it. He needs to learn not to forget next time. Now, what I'm going to say is this. This is not a child-rearing class. But it is a Christian-rearing class. God himself is not like you and I so many times. He is defined in the word of God. He is a merciful, loving, long-suffering God. But when you and I know exactly what we're supposed to do and we just disobey God, if we're truly his children, then he has to do what according to Hebrews chapter 12? 
He's got to discipline us. He's got to correct us. Chasten us, the Bible calls it. Now, young people, listen. Your future is bright today. You have opportunities that exist in your life that I no longer have and that many in this room no longer possess. We have spent our years doing what we're going to do, whether it was for good, God, or whether it was for evil. You are starting off, and I want to encourage all of our seniors tonight to make sure they never forget some truths here. I'm telling you, there's only so much time that you have. You give it to God while you can. Because God, he loves you, yes, and he wants to use you in a mighty way. But he is your father. Never forget his relationship and his role in your life. He's your father. A father is someone that will correct you when you're wrong and somebody that will bring you back when you get away. And he wants to do that because he loves you enough to care enough to do so. Give your life to Christ. Make up your mind, I'm going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ as of today. I am not going to fail in my faithfulness. I'm going to be consistent in my walk. I'm going to serve the Lord with my life. I'm going to give him the best of my years, not the leftovers. You'll never regret that choice. You know what? Tonight in this room, there may be some adults who have not given God their best. We've forgotten some of these principles. And I'm telling you, you can't, you cannot afford to forget them because when you and I forget these truths, here's what happens. We lose sight of the importance of our calling and we also lose sight of the urgency of fulfilling that calling. Let's, let me show you a picture of success. If you were in Sunday school today, you probably heard this already. Turn, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 4, 2 as we close. Here's a picture of success in the New Testament. The believer, it's it's really not hard. Well, no, let me take that back. It's not, it can be difficult, but it's not hard to understand. Let me put it that way. Notice that here it is, a picture of success. 1 Corinthians 4.2, here it is. This is it right here. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. You say, I want to be successful for God. Be faithful. Let's all be faithful. It's not complicated, is it? I didn't say it wasn't hard, but it's not complicated. Be faithful. You want to be successful? Be faithful. You want God to honor your efforts? Be faithful. You want God to bless you with joy and peace and purpose? Be faithful. You want the best that God has for you, your family, and others around you? Be faithful. You want to make an impact and leave a legacy in this life? Be faithful. You want to do something worth doing? Be faithful. That's success. Faithfulness. He gives talents to a number of people and it doesn't give the same amount of talents, does he? But it's the faithfulness that he focuses on. Will you be faithful with what God has given you? We noted that humans are naturally rather forgetful. But as believers, there are three things we can't afford to forget. One, others are watching. Two, the clock is ticking. And three, 
The judgment awaits. Let's not forget those three simple thoughts today. And I think in remembering them, we'll recognize the urgency of our day to serve the Lord and to be obedient to Him. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time that we've had together. Simple, simple thoughts as we consider and look forward to the impact that our seniors and these young people will make in their world in which they live. It's not a game that we're playing, Lord. It's life. It's real. And we need young men and young ladies to step up and serve you, to give you their very best. 